This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, everybody. The Hockey News Podcast is back. It's Matt Larkin here with Ryan Kennedy. And uh, I'm looking under the table. Don't see Ken Campbell here. That's because it's a special edition of our show. It's the All-World Junior Championship Preview Edition, and that means we are in Ryan's wheelhouse. He is the prospect guru, prospect rain man. He's got the lowdown on every team in this tournament. I think it's going to be very exciting. A lot of parody this year. Before we get into this preview, just a reminder, thehockeynews.com slash gold. If you want to become a member, you can buy one issue, get three others free, or subscriptions, rather. So check that out. Okay, let's get down to business, Ryan. Indeed. And we'll start with the defending champions as we go through our team previews. Team Canada, a team that, if I understand it correctly, isn't loaded with superstar power, but is probably the deepest team in the tournament. What are you looking at with Canada right now? Well, what I'm seeing is a team that could very well repeat the template they had last year that gave them so much success, and that's going with balance, going with speed, two-way players, playing at a high pace, you know, having an active defense core. I think they have all the weapons they need. And, you know, you look at Barrett Hayton, the Arizona pick. Here's a guy that, you know, was taken fifth overall, bit of a surprise to people. But, you know, last year he was behind some very good players in the Sioux. Now we're seeing all that offense really pile up. But he can also take faceoffs. He can kill penalties. You know, Cody Glass elite playmaker, Vegas Golden Knights first rounder. Uh, this is his last opportunity for the team. Uh, you look at the defense, very interesting. They had a lot of options. Uh, Ty Smith, the New Jersey Devils first rounder, great mm -hmm. puck mover, has played internationally for Canada uh, several times already at lower age brackets. Uh, Evan Bouchard, Edmonton Oilers. Here's a guy who already has a bit of NHL experience He's got a great two-way game, great passer. Uh, I think he'll be good in his own end. Uh, Noah Dobson, the New York Islanders pick, another kid who can move the puck, has some great size. Um, I think they're going to have some very interesting combinations. Now, we've got some X factors, obviously, with this team, mm -hmm. and that's in the injury department because there's a pair of Los Angeles Kings prospects that are on the mend right now that their status is going to be up in the air, and it's also going to determine one or two of those last spots. So you have Gabe Velarde and Jared Anderson Dolan. Uh, Jared Anderson Dolan uh, began the year with the Kings, had a nice little run with them, got some good experience. And then Velarde, uh, he's actually spent a little bit of time in the AHL while recovering from injury. Now, if both of them are healthy, that's probably going to come at the expense of the youngest player still on the roster, Alexis Lafreniere. Ooh. Now, we're definitely going to see him next year because he's not draft eligible until 2020. Uh, I'd love to see him get some experience, but because Canada is so deep, there's only so much they can do. Um, in net, you got Michael DiPietro and Ian Scott. Michael DiPietro has amazing experience, already has a Memorial Cup under his belt, just got traded to the Ottawa 67s from the Windsor Spitfires. That was a blockbuster deal. Ottawa's trying to win the Mem Cup themselves this year. Uh, and Ian Scott, hands down, just the hottest goaltender anywhere. He's going full Carter Hart this year. Full Carter Hart. He's a Leafs pick. DiPietro's a Vancouver pick, so that's fun for Canucks fans. It'll get to see him. Uh, and then one player to watch, uh, Maxime Comtois. He'll be one of the only returning players from last year's squad. That experience is so crucial, especially because Alex Fermentin will miss the tournament with a lower body injury, knee injury, whatever you want to call it. 
What I like about Comtois is that he is a complete player. On the wing, just deadly 200-foot guy, amazing shorthanded. And I think that's going to keep other teams on their toes. Uh, you know, Canada usually is one of the more physical teams in the tournament, and depending how the officiating goes, sometimes they can get into penalty trouble. But with Comtois, you can still get offensive opportunities when you're killing penalties because his anticipation is so good. So I'm looking at him as one of the big leaders on this team and a guy that can have a big impact because, again, he already has NHL experience with the Anaheim Ducks. Interesting. Uh, I'm wondering with, with Lafreniere, um, obviously he's a future, probably first overall pick. It's early, but mm-hmm. 2020 he's the favorite. And you look at other phenoms who were double underagers. Sidney Crosby comes to mind. He was able to work on Canada in 04 before the great 05 team because they could deploy him uh, on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. Is Lafreniere the type of player that does his game lend to that, or is he kind of a guy that has to be on a scoring line role and he's going to make the team? Well, I think you can put him on one of those bottom six lines if you have to because he, he does have that responsible element. He's a very smart kid. And again, just getting that experience. I think is pretty nice. Connor McDavid had the same thing as well, where his first World Juniors, he was kind of a bit player because he was an underager. And then the next year when he helped them win gold, obviously he was a much bigger factor. So with Lafreniere, I'd love to see him there uh, to get that experience on the international stage at the under-20 level because he has played for them at, at lower ranks. Um, but, I mean, it's I understand it's a numbers game. Right, fair enough. Uh, next up, we have Team USA, and the U.S., I would say, looks like on paper has the most star power. You've got the Hughes brothers. You've got mm. Jack and Quinn. That makes them a very exciting team to watch. What do you think about USA this year? Well, I like a lot of their elements. I think this is going to be a very strong team because they they might have the best centers in the tournament. And as you mentioned, Jack Hughes, you know, consensus number one prospect for the 2019 draft. He's going to be there. Ryan Paling, the Montreal Canadiens pick, he already has tournament experience, great two-way player. He can add offense, good size. And then Josh Norris, who was part of the Eric Carlson trade, now property of the Ottawa Senators, another player, very athletic, can do a lot of things out there. The idea of having Josh Norris as your third center in this tournament is pretty nice uh, because he's having a good year with Michigan and, uh, you know, again, a bit of an older player. So I really like the strength down the middle, because if you can have those guys out there kind of 90% of the time, uh, it really gives you an advantage. The other thing I really like about Team USA is the defense. They have three players returning from last year's squad, and again, in a tournament like this, just knowing the lay of the land can be so important. So you have Quinn Hughes, the Vancouver pick. Obviously, Canucks fans are going to love watching him. Just an amazing puck mover. I mean, you know, I look at what Rasmus Dahlin has been doing in the NHL, the way he can hold on to the puck. Mm-hmm. Quinn Hughes is the same. He doesn't have the same size as Dahlin, but, I mean, Hughes is just a wizard with the puck, and that's going to help out the power play. It's going to help breakouts, just, you know, everything that Team USA needs to do to push the puck in the right direction. Uh, otherwise, you have Dylan Sandberg, the Winnipeg Jets pick, totally different kind of guy, yeah. big, aggressive. He can get you some offense, but just... Not fun to play against, and he was on the team last year. Also, Mikey Anderson, uh, L.A. Kings pick, very responsible, uh, good puck mover himself. Both Sandberg and Anderson won the national title last year with the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. So, again, you're getting championship experience there. Uh, I I just think it's going to be a very good defense core. On the wings, they have some nice options. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom, the Islanders pick, Mm. comes to mind. 
I think that that might be where they lag a little bit. I mean, there's there's talent, but it's going to have to be the right combination, and guys are going to have to get hot. The other big X factor for me is in net. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming into the season, I would have said Caden Primo. He's the guy. Montreal Canadiens pick, one of the best goaltenders in all the NCAA last year as a freshman. But consistency has been a bit more of an issue this year. If he can have a big camp, I think he's kind of the safest guy to go with. Mm -hmm. But I'd also like to see Spencer Knight, who is up for the 2019 draft, uh, playing for the NTDP. You know, scouts are telling me he's the best American goaltending prospect since Jonathan Quick. And yes, that includes John Gibson, because Spencer Knight, uh, last time I checked, had a better save percentage than Gibson did for the same NTDP squad. Uh, at the same age. Uh, Kyle Kaiser is also still in the mix, plays for the Oshawa Generals. Boston Bruins signed him as a free agent. Uh, He's having a very good year, Uh, so they've got some options there. Uh, Now, as for a player to watch, duh, Jack Hughes. Um, What he can do up front is just so impressive, and he's been playing against competition older than himself, for a couple of years now. Uh, well, really, actually, you know, since back in his minor midget days when he was younger. But the fact that he's been able to succeed against college competition while playing for the NTDP this year, I think speaks to the fact that he will not be intimidated by this tournament. When I spoke to him in the summer, uh, with him being at the camp, I was like, hey, what was it like being the youngest guy? And he's like, well, I didn't look at it that way. I'm not here to be the youngest guy. I'm here to make the team. And obviously he has the talent to do so. I mean, so creative, fantastic hands, you know, so quick out there. So I think Jack Hughes, we already know about him, but I feel like this is going to be the stage where people really sit up and say, yeah, this is the kid we want our NHL team to draft. We, we, we want the draft lottery balls to mm-hmm. fall in our favor so we can get Jack Hughes. Right. And it's funny, I haven't seen as much of Hughes as you have, obviously, but in the limited viewings I've had of him, I'm seeing a lot of Nathan McKinnon in his game, especially because Hughes is growing. Mm-hmm. Like he seemed like he was going to be a smaller kid, but I wouldn't say small anymore. He's he's delightfully average now. He's, re- he's regular yeah. size. And I mean, McKinnon yeah. is probably slightly above average size, but the attacking, the fury mm. with which he attacks the center of the ice and with the puck on his stick, mm-hmm. I see some Nathan McKinnon there. And of course, Nathan McKinnon was a phenom, first overall pick. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that's the type of career we'll see from Jack Hughes. Next up, we have a team that, it's funny, I mean, they're always contenders, but we haven't, we haven't talked about them as the top dogs, or at least seen them win gold for a long time, it seems, uh, Russia. And they always have a lot of top talent, they're always going to be deadly up front, but are we going to see this team break through, or do you think they're again going to be sort of on the periphery of contenders? I think they'll be in medal contention. Uh, I think this will be a pretty good year for the Russians. Now, the one thing I was considering was we've had this tournament largely on the smaller NHL ice for several years now. I mean, Finland was the only exception. And, uh, and those two rinks, I believe, were both different size. One was Olympic, one was kind of between the two. Um, and Russia, you know, made the final in Finland. Uh, they haven't had as much luck on North American ice lately. But I look at the roster that they have right now, and I wonder if this might be the exception to the rule because they've got some great size and talent. You put that together on smaller ice. I mean, that's what Canada and the U.S. tends to do. Um, Nikolai Kovalenko, the Colorado Avalanche pick, uh, and son of Andre Kovalenko. I was going to say, that was what I was thinking right away. 
Yeah, so he's having a great season over in Russia. Uh, Kirill Marchenko, the Columbus Blue Jackets pick. Another kid with, like, size and hands. Uh, Clem Costin, the St. Louis Blues pick in the AHL. Another big kid. Um, and then, you know, I look at the defense core. I think it's going to be decent, not fantastic. It's not going to be like some of those previous years. But Alexander Alexiev, the Washington first-rounder, uh, having a fantastic year in Red Deer, putting up a lot of points. Uh, Dmitry Samarukov, the Edmonton Oilers pick, he was on the squad last year. So, again, we're talking about experience. Mm -hmm. Samarukov is the kind of guy that can sort of steady things down. Uh, and in net, uh, they have some nice options. I thought a lot of their players did well in the CHL Russia series. Mm -hmm. And then there was also, at the same time, a tournament going on in Europe where they were trying out other goaltenders. But for me... Daniel Tarasov, the Columbus Blue Jackets pick, has got to be the guy. Great size, great pedigree. His dad is a legendary goalie coach back home. Um, you know, in his draft year, he missed basically the entire season because of a, a growth that had to be removed from his hmm. shin. So some teams were on him, including Columbus. Uh, a lot of teams weren't, but he has lived up to expectations. Uh, so I think Russia is going to be pretty good. For me, they just have to use their skill. They can't be that defensive team because the game is faster and international teams are catching on to that. Like, Canada's not going to sit back. Team USA's not going to sit back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think if the Russians, if, if they sit back, I think that could be a big problem right. for them. Uh, player to watch, somebody I haven't mentioned yet, who I believe will have a very nice impact, Vitaly Kravtsov, the New York Rangers first rounder. Uh, again, size and skill. Um, he's been good for them internationally. Uh, he's had a nice season with Tractor Chelyabinsk uh, back in Russia. I think this is going to be a very nice chance for North American fans to see what this kid is all about because obviously he does play back home. We haven't really seen much of him live here. It'll be fun to see what Kravtsov can do against his fellow peers from that 2018 draft class. I think he's going to be a lot of fun. Interesting. It still feels weird whenever I hear New York Rangers first rounder. New York Rangers first rounder. It's yeah. fun that we're talking up a Rangers prospect because we're seeing that franchise finally commit to youth. Five first round picks over the past two drafts. Very exciting, I think, for that team. Definitely. And Tarasov, I think the Columbus Blue Jackets have to be watching him very intently because they need to start thinking about the future of their crease because it looks like Sergei Bobrovsky is not going to be back. It's, it's not a guarantee he's gone, but the odds aren't looking great. So you got to keep an eye on what's coming down the pipeline if you're Jarmo Kekalainen in Columbus. That's true. Speaking of Kekalainen and Finland, how about mm -hmm. that transition? Nice. We're going to talk about Team Finland now. And the Finns are interesting to me because for many years they were the plucky Finns, but now I think they're part of the elite tier. They're mm -hmm. producing so much high-end, exciting NHL talent. Look at who's, look who's leading the league in scoring right now, Mikko Rantanen. Uh, so we know that the expectations are high for Finland, and we know that's why they fired their coach mid-tournament a couple years back because their standard is so high after yeah. they won a couple uh, golds. So what do you think we should expect from Finland this year? Is it going to be another disappointment as they transition, or are they back on the rise? Well, I think it's going to be a bit of a tough tournament for the Finns, and they're almost a victim of their own success at this point because Jesperi Kakaniemi is probably going to be busy in Montreal. Henry Yokiharyu is probably going to be busy in Chicago. Miro Heskinen is definitely going to be busy in Dallas yep. because he is just surging with the stars on that blue line. So that's three major players right there. Um, it's going to hurt their depth, and that blue line especially... It's going to be pretty young this year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you look at a guy like Oscar Laxanen, uh, the Buffalo Sabres pick. 
he's probably going to have a bigger role than anticipated initially. And, I mean, he's having a good year, but you're going to see some draft-eligible guys probably make that roster. And, again, I mean, it's great for somebody like me that likes to see these guys and see the young guys get a chance, but it's going to be a bit of a daunting task. Right. And then you look up front, and, you know, Ailey Tolvanen, still eligible. Christian Veselainen, still eligible. So you got the Nashville pick, the Winnipeg Jets prospect, who has seen some time with the team this year. Um, if those guys end up going, and I, I think they should, mm-hmm. that's going to be huge for Finland. Uh, Rasmus Kupari, the LA Kings' first rounder, he'll be there. So I think they'll be pretty decent up front. My worry is that that blue line is just going to be a bit overwhelmed, uh, obviously more so against the elite teams. Now in net, they have the fantastically named Uko Pekaluokanen, the Buffalo Sabres pick, who has tournament experience. He was there last year. It's not a great tournament for him. But, again, now he's seen what the big stage is going to be like. Um, I think he'll be a lot more settled. He's having a fantastic year in the OHL with the Sudbury Wolves. This is his first year over in North America. So I think that... That plays well for him. Uh, A player to watch, and again, because of some of the losses uh, up front, I think Capococco, who for me is the number two pick in the draft behind Jack Hughes right now, I think he's going to have a really nice role with this Mm -hmm. Finnish team. And similar to Kotkaniemi, you know, Kako came into the season as a winger, but has been playing some center. And I think Finland could use him down the middle, and because he's so smart, because he's got size and puck protection skills, because he's so talented, I think he could be a real asset for them down the middle. And, I mean, for me, I'm looking, it's like, oh, imagine if you had a line of Kako between Tolvanen and Veselainen. That would be hot. Or maybe you split them up just because you have that option to to have a little more depth in your top six. But uh, I think Capo Caco could have a really big tournament, and that would be really nice to watch. Interesting. And we know there's there's a precedent for it. The last time Finland took a not-necessarily-center and put him in, shoehorn him in on the top line between two great wingers, it was Sebastian Ajo. It was. And who's playing center now in Carolina after that audition? Sebastian Ajo. He's really blossomed. So you may see it with Caco as well. Yeah. We'll move on now to the rival Swedes, and they're a team, at least by my estimation, that seems a bit incomplete relative to the others. It looks like they've got a ex- pretty exciting blue line, but what do you think? Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a down year for the Finns, or for, for the Swedes, sorry. Um, and usually I have them as one of the favorites, and they have that fantastic streak. They haven't lost a round-robin game in 11 years. Oh, yeah. And part of that is the way that the pools have shaken out, um, but still, it's pretty impressive. My question for Sweden right now is where does the offense come from? Now, they got a pretty big addition when Anaheim released Isaac Lundestrom to the team. That's huge for Sweden because he can be their top center. Obviously, he has some NHL experience and and some pro experience. Um, He was there last year. I thought his line last season with Tim Soderlund and Oscar Steen was Sweden's most complete line. And they had some pretty big names on that team, let's not forget. But I thought Lundestrom's line, they were the best for me. I thought they were just so good out there every time. Fantastic 200-foot player. Um, so he's going to be big for them. But otherwise, where do the goals come from? You have Emil Bemstrom, the Columbus pick. Uh, he's having a breakout year back in Sweden. Philip Svenningsen, the Calgary Flames pick, also having a fantastic year. But there's not a lot of depth there. And it'll be interesting to see what that final roster looks like. Now, having said that, Sweden's blue line is going to be awesome. It actually could have been better. If you think about it, Rasmus Dahlin could have been playing on that blue yeah. line, but I don't think Buffalo's going to let him go. 
Also, Timothy Lilligren is injured. He's probably, I'm, I'm saying 90%, he's going to miss the tournament. Uh, had been playing in the AHL for Toronto's affiliate, the Marlies. But even with those two guys gone, Eric Bronstrom, the Vegas first-rounder. Rasmus Sandin, Toronto's first-rounder. Uh, Adam Boquist, Chicago's first-rounder. They have tremendous puck-moving potential on that blue line. And they can fill guys out. I mean, if they want to go really strong on puck movers, they can do that. If they want to you know, even things out, I think Adam Jinning, the Philadelphia Flyers pick, could be an option back there. He's more of a stay-at-home guy with size. Um, so the defense is going to be fine. Another X factor for me, Ole Eriksson Eck. Is he the netminder that can get them into that final four of the tournament? Uh, he's an Anaheim pick. He was their third goalie last year, so he's seen how the tournament works. Um, he's not an elite prospect in the way that, like, a Philip Gustafson was right. a couple of years back. But he's got the size, and obviously he comes from a pretty good NHL family. His brother is Joel Erickson Eck, the Minnesota Wild uh, forward. Um, if Erickson Eck can take his game to the next level and be consistent, then Sweden has a chance. Um, but again, my worry is that when you get into a game with a team with a lot of weapons, like Russia or Team USA or Canada, I'm just not sure Sweden can keep up. They're going to have to be a very tight team this year. Now, having said that, uh, a player to watch, I mentioned him already, Adam Boakvist, the Chicago Blackhawks first rounder. He has adapted very well in his first North American season. He came over to play for the London Knights in the OHL, and he's been great. I mean, London is a stacked squad. Boakvist is putting up a lot of points. Um, they're letting him go, you know, because he has that great skating, because he is such a good puck handler, he can go deep in on the rush and, and really help out that London attack. I think the confidence he's getting on the smaller ice will really help because last year, if there were some international tournaments, um, you know, that were played over here, uh, it was a little tough for him. But I think now that he knows what to expect, now that he knows how much time and space he has out there, I think he's going to be a huge weapon on the back end for the Swedes. Interesting, and I think you should savor it too because next year we're probably going to see him in the NHL. If you look at Henry Yokiharu, he had one year, uh, but he was drafted in 2017, and then next year he's in the NHL, and I think the Hawks are showing now as they're this team in transition and really lack depth on the blue line, they're willing to give their kids a shot. And I think Bofus probably will deserve to be on the team next year. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at those two, Yokiharu and Bofus, as the successors to Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, and I think the Hawks are ready for that transition, and it's going to be interesting. They might be in the hunt for Jack Hughes this year as well. So they're a team that, you know, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves aren't that old yet. Nope. And if they get that first overall pick, you have those two on defense and you add Jack Hughes to that lineup, or a couple Kako perhaps, yeah. and suddenly things could turn on a dime for Chicago. Things change quickly in the NHL. They have Dylan Strome there in that lineup now too, Alex Dabrinkit. So you just never know. It's worth keeping an eye on the Hawks' prospects right now. Definitely. Uh, rounding out the big dog countries, and it's interesting to call this nation a big dog because I don't think we have for a while, but the Czechs look like a sleeper to me. Am I crazy to say that? You are not crazy, and I will put a caveat on this. Uh, Philip Zadina got hurt in the AHL on the weekend. He's going to get tested out. Obviously, the Czechs need him because he was amazing at the tournament last year during his draft season. Now he's a Detroit Red Wings pick, playing for Grand Rapids in the AHL. So hopefully Zadine is healthy because if he is, they can bring back that top line from last year with Martin Nettish, the Carolina first-rounder, and Martin Kaut, the Colorado first-rounder. 
So that's a fantastic first line right there. But then you look deeper. Jakob Lauko, the Boston Bruins pick. Jakob Kondalik, the Nashville pick. Ostap Safin, the Edmonton Oilers pick. That's another potential line right there. All NHL picks, you know, some guys with experience. Lauko, I thought was uh, pretty fun to watch last year. He's a fast guy, very aggressive. So Bruins fans, you're going to love him. Um, I, I really like the depth the Czechs have up front. Now you look at the blue line. Last year they had Libor Hayek, and he was great for them. Big workhorse. They don't have a guy like that necessarily, but they have more depth, I believe. Radim Salda is a Tampa pick. Philip Kral is a Maple Leafs pick. Jakob Galvis, uh, another Chicago Blackhawks pick mm. on the blue line. I think these guys, just by virtue of having a little more depth, um, none of them may be as good as Hayek, but together they can be a, a collective where at least you've got somebody out there at all times that can, that can help your team and, and get pucks going in the right direction. Also, Jakob Skarik in net, the New York Islanders pick, he was one of their goaltenders last year. Um, you know, he got in sometimes. Josef Koronar uh, kind of stole the spotlight. He's, he was older. He's now too old. He's a San Jose pick. Um, but Skarik will return. He's having a fantastic year. Actually playing in Finland for the Lati Pelicans and putting up huge numbers. So I really like Skarkinet. I think he can be a difference maker. He can maybe steal them a game. Um, player to watch, obviously, Zadina in more ways than one now. So he's got to be healthy. But if he's there, all of a sudden, all the pressure's on him. Because last year it was sort of fun. It was like, ah, this is charismatic kid. He's like just going out there and scoring, uh, just having a good time. But now pressure's on. High NHL draft pick. You know, Detroit Red Wings fans, they want to see some hope for the future. Zadina can be that. And I think that, you know, with him in the lineup, the Czechs can seriously be a medal contender. Last year they got to the Final Four, but they got blown out. I think they were just a little bit behind the Canadians and the Americans. But this year I, I think that if they have their full complement, they can be in the mix. Right, and Zadina, hopefully we get to see him. He's a guy that has reminded me of Married Hosa throughout his rise because he's got the ability to play the wing, but typically you associate smart kind of two-way presences with centers, but I think that he has the type of game, of course he's going to be a scorer in the NHL, mm. but he's shown signs of being responsible, a team player as well, just like Hosa gradually throughout his career blossomed into a very underrated two-way player, so hopefully we get to see him. Uh, now let's do the lightning round, and we're going to call it the other country lightning round. And these are nations that you never know. They could have a Cinderella run, but in the World Juniors, we tend to know who the real contenders are. So let's just run through quickly the, you know, the Switzerland, the Slovakia, Denmark, Kazakhstan. Just some quick thoughts on those teams and who to watch. Yeah, so starting off with Switzerland, um, this is not going to be most likely one of those years where the Swiss uh, really surprise. If Nico Heischer was in the lineup, different story. And he's actually still eligible, if you can believe wow. it. Uh, but there's no Nico Heischer. New Jersey is keeping him. Um, <laughs> they're going to be probably a pretty ordinary team this year. Um, player to watch for me, Akira Schmid, uh, the New Jersey Devils pick. He's a goaltender, great size, has played for Switzerland internationally before. Uh, he's going to face a lot of pucks, and he's been doing that this year. Uh, bounced around a couple of junior teams, has now found a home in the USHL with the Omaha Lancers. And they've been outgunned quite a bit this season. They're one of the uh, weaker teams right now, so Schmid's facing a ton of action. And uh, I think that will help him in Switzerland. Uh, Slovakia. They've got some weapons up front. I think they'll be a little bit scrappy. Milos Roman, uh, Adam Ruzicka, Maxim Kajkovic, who's up for the draft. 
Um, but there's not a lot of depth there. Um, on the back end, Martin Fairbury, uh, Washington Capitals pick, playing in Sweden for HV71. Uh, great size, pretty good defensive defender with, with uh, some good feet. I think he'll be pretty important to them. Um, but again, I, I don't see Slovakia doing a lot coming out of that pool. But I think they'll probably survive the pool. Now, Denmark, they're intriguing. They've got a couple of NHL picks on the roster. And uh, they could have a tower in net. Mad Sogard, who's uh, been playing in Medicine Hat in the WHL, he's six foot seven. Ooh. Yeah, he covers a lot of net. And uh, so he could help them. I mean, maybe he can steal a game. You never know. Uh, Malti Setkoff, the Detroit Red Wings pick, I think he's six foot six. Jeez. He's on their defense court. So I guess Denmark doesn't have a basketball team. <laughs> I guess they just filter them into yeah. hockey and hope for the yeah. best. Um, but player to watch for me, Jonas Rohnbjerg, the Vegas Golden Knights pick. Uh, he's been playing in Sweden the past couple of years, playing in the SHL with Vaxio, the same team that Elias Pettersson played for. Uh, Ron Bjerg, not putting up those kind of numbers, but uh, he's played several World Juniors for Denmark already. Uh, obviously, I believe he's going to be their leading scorer, mm-hmm. um, but they're going to have the scratch and claw. Um, the final team, Kazakhstan, uh, they're kind of the guppies, and uh, you know they came up from Division 1A last year. Um, Ten players still eligible for... From that team. So it, it bodes well for them that they're going to have an experienced roster. Guys know each other already. They know what it takes to win a tournament because they've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully they're not super intimidated. It's, it's going to be a much bigger stage, obviously. Uh, for me, Valery Orekov uh, headlines the defense core. He has KHL experience with Barris Astana. And, you know, that's important, playing against men, getting that uh that experience. They don't have any NHL draft picks on the roster. Most likely Kazakhstan is the team that will get relegated, but let's give them a chance, and uh, they, they got some pretty fantastic uniforms, too, so look cool. out for that. All right. Uh, well, if you prefer to read your World Junior previews rather than have them spoken to you like this, uh, you can pick up a copy of the World Junior Preview magazine, which is on newsstands right now. And within that magazine, Ryan has a very uh, fascinating story on Canada goalie Michael DiPietro, who has been through a lot in his life, overcome a lot to get here on the personal side. So maybe just fill us in a little bit, give a, a little preview of what uh, you talked about with DiPietro for that story. Yeah, I mean, Michael DiPietro has been in the spotlight for so long because he came to the Windsor Spitfires and had an impact early in his career. And as I said earlier, won a Memorial Cup on home ice for the Spits. Um, But, you know, his mother passed away when he was very young from cancer. And obviously that's tough. But his father found love again and um, found it with a, a woman who had lost her husband. And she also had a son. And that son actually inspired... Michael DiPietro to become a goaltender. So, you know, he considers that woman to be his mother now. Um, you know, he, he's very fond of his older brother, uh, who is now uh, an architectural engineer, if I remember correctly. And, um, you know, for me, DiPietro, it's an interesting story because you, you know, you have all that family and you had a very strong connection to Warren Reichel, the, uh, the GM slash co-owner of the Windsor Spitfires. You know, um, Di Pietro actually grew up in the Windsor area, hmm. so he played with one of Reichel's sons, Maddox, coming up through hockey, and actually Jack Stadnika as well, who might make Team Canada this year at the World Juniors. So, you know, I, I know I, when I spoke to Warren about Di Pietro, 
Um, this was before he had traded him. Um, but you know there had been rumblings before that that because Windsor's rebuilding, Ottawa's going for it, that that might be a trade partner. And it turned out that that's what has happened. But you know, DiPietro has always said he'll, he'll always be a spitfire at heart. That's the team he grew up with. And you know the city means so much to him. When I was down there for the Memorial Cup, so many of the volunteers mentioned DiPietro. You know, they brought up his name as you know, one of the good kids, one of the kids that gets it. And he's a fantastic goaltender, and it'll be fun to see what he can do on the world stage. Interesting. It's a great story. Definitely check it out. Uh, now it's time for our special predictions. Uh, and it, it's tough. Maybe I'll go first on this one. Um, Ryan's, Ryan's a prediction to trust here, okay? He, he's got the expertise, but I just can't, I can't ignore the star power on Team USA, and I think I'm just swept up in the Hughes, the, the, just the, the Jack and Quinn Hughes excitement and the strength up the middle, like you said. And Yes, U.S. goaltending is a question mark, but it's a short tournament. In a short tournament, mm -hmm. someone can get hot and carry the mail, so... I have a feeling about Team USA, even though I know Canada's the deeper team and Canada's playing on its home soil as well. But what do you think, Ryan? Well, I, I, I certainly think that's a possibility. For me, I think Canada is the, the safest pick overall. Um, I think USA, you know, my final four was Canada, USA, Russia, and the Czechs. Now, if Zina's not there, then the Czechs, I think, probably take a bit of a step back. Um, but maybe the Ewing theory it. You never know. Mm. Um, but for me, I think Canada's the favorite. Um, I, I do wonder about uh, Team USA's goaltender. You make a good point about it being a short tournament. I mean, Caden Primo could be on fire. Maybe Spencer Knight's the guy. You never know. Um, but for me, Canada has all the elements it needs. And I think whether Velarde and Anderson Dolan play or not, I think they can be replaced by similar players. Um, so I, I tend to be conservative with my predictions, so I'm going to go Canada. I try not to say Canada every year because mm -hmm. it's boring, but I, I kind of feel like this year it's going to be Canada. Mm -hmm. Fair, fair. Uh, <laughs> now it's time for the World Junior Mailbag. A couple good questions here. First one comes from Dylan Wheaton. Who is the best non-Canadian World Junior team in history? Love that question. I spent my morning commute thinking about it. Uh, and the team that jumped out in my head is the 2013 American squad, and they were stacked. I mean, you had Johnny Gaudreau leading the way on offense up front, and you had John Gibson as your goalie, but that defense core was ridiculous. You oh, had yeah. Seth Jones, Jacob Truba, Shane Gostaspierre, all on the same blue line. You had, like, Mike Riley was your depth. Yeah. That team was just so deep and so dominant, so I think that would be my choice. And it's funny, when you talk to players from that team, I, I spoke to John Gibson about it just a couple weeks ago, actually. They still bring it up all the time. Seth Jones as well. They're so proud of that team, and I think they understood, at least in hindsight, or they understand in hindsight, how good they were and how special that team was. So Team USA 2013 is my pick. It's a great pick because that's the first one I thought about as well. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk and JT Miller oh, on that yeah, team, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, just a stacked squad. Um, I, I was even thinking about it. It's like, they're... It's basically an NHL team. Like you could make almost an NHL roster because you had guys like Ryan Hartman and Sean Corrali as well. Like you had some bottom sixers, so you could almost just make an NHL roster right. out of that team. It was fantastic. But for the sake of mixing things up, let's talk about 2016 Finland. Uh, mostly on the high end here, but what a high end it was. The top line was Patrick Laine, Jesse Pugliarvi, and converted winger Sebastian Aho. Um, 
But then you had Mika Rantanen, who I believe is leading the NHL in scoring, not too shabby. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen having a breakout year with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And a uh, bit of a fun depth pick here. Sammy Niku was on that squad. Very unheralded. Still kind of unheralded, but uh, he's been fantastic in the Winnipeg Jets system. So uh, even when you went further down the lineup, that, that Finland squad had some really nice players. And I'm sure we'll see a couple more emerge as well, because Vaini Vevelainen was one of the goaltenders, and uh, he's having some success in the Columbus system. Capo Kakanen was the other goaltender. He's having success in Minnesota system. So I don't even think that that team is done yet. But, I mean, that top line is going to go down in history as one of those dominant mm -hmm. ever. And Capo Kakanen, here's a fact for you. He scored a goal. I think one of the games didn't count. It was like a practice squad game. But he scored a goal as a goaltender twice in one week, I believe. It was wow. one or two weeks a few years back. So there's your Capo Kakanen fact of the day. Uh, last question is from Ben Thielman and Ben says, who are the under the radar guys you're most looking forward to watching this year? I'm going to defer to Ryan on this one. He's obviously the expert, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, a couple of names and, you know, hopefully they, they make the final cut. Alexander Romanov uh, with Russia. He's a Montreal Canadiens draft pick and he's a defenseman, but he has also played forward in his career. So obviously, uh, he is an offensive component to his game. I thought he's been pretty good so far in international play and, and in tryouts for the Russians. Um, you know, obviously, he can score from the blue line, good puck mover. Um, but I just like his overall game. I think he could be a real asset to them. Um, also on the blue line, for Finland, a possibility, Miko Kokonen. Um, this is a player draft eligible, having a very nice year back in Finland. And as I said before, you know, that blue line could be very young. But I think you know, if he gets some reps, if he makes the final roster, um, he'll be fun to watch because he's, he's making a name for himself. And uh, you know, I think he could really help out that undermanned Finnish blue line. Uh, finally, I mentioned him uh, a bit earlier, Jakob Lauko with the Czechs, the Boston Bruins pick. Uh, fast, aggressive player. I think you know, on that smaller ice, uh, he's been playing for Rouen Naranda in the Quebec League. So, again, he's getting a little more experience in North America. I think he'll be a little more used to the tournament. He was a young guy last year, but they really liked him uh, with the Czechs. I think he could be the kind of guy that, almost like Axel Janssen Fialbi was for Sweden uh, last year, where people kind of noticed that you know, this is a kid that could really play a nice, gritty North American game and still have some skill. I think Lauko might open some eyes. Good, excellent. I'm also looking at, I, I thought of my guy, it's Kondalik in Nashville. Oh, yeah. That guy is gigantic. Yes. If he's on the team, he's probably the biggest forward in the entire tournament. So it, the question is, is his game eventually going to translate to the speed of the current NHL game? Mm. Maybe. It's, he's a boom-bust type of project. I've been yep. reading about that guy, so that would be my pick. There you go. Well, that's it for the podcast this week, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it, and stay tuned. It'll be a couple weeks. We're having a little holiday break from the podcast, but we will be back stronger than ever in 2019. Thank you.